He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome everybody here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today joined by friend of the show, everybody's favorite guest, uh, <laughs> somebody, somebody I do legitimately like talking to because you just refuse to not say the thing that will piss everybody off. <laughs> Matt Moore of the Action Network is here. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. My wife always says she's just like you are just the most habitual bear spoon poker. She's just like, you just poke bears with spoons over and over and over again and are always surprised when they snap at you. So you're the Dylan Brooks of content. Yeah, that sounds fair. That's about, <laughs> you know, plus minus is about the same. Shooting percentage is about the same. Sounds, uh, future contract upside I, I probably about the same. <laughs> I just saw like all of that cross your eyes. Just like it was, it was that was actually a wonder to behold yeah. live. That was that was great. Um, all right. So today we have a few things to discuss. About an hour or so before uh, you and I started recording, we got the uh, John Morant Friday news dump, and then um, you had mentioned in in our text back and forth that you wanted to talk about the Lakers and why you hate them. Um, Sure. <laughs> and uh and and all of that stuff and whatever comes up in between just really quickly though i do kind of want to start with jaw um i find it simultaneously fat fascinating and not fascinating like this is just the world that we live in that uh the the punishment had been negotiated between the league and the players union agents knew about it which means every power broker or every newsbreaker that you you know in the NBA knew about it and held off on on any kind of leak as it pertain, to, pertains to the the punishment until you know the, the the league was able to get it to a Friday news dump um I, I don't know I I should be clear I don't know that for sure a lot of that is just kind of putting one and one and one together but I, I just find the way that information is, uh, the economy of information and the way that it works, um, I don't know that I've ever seen it so clear as I've seen it this season. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this I, I do think is, there's been, there's more leveraging, I think. It used to be, I, I think that there used to be kind of a, a sense of investigative journalism was really investigative. Like you try and like really, you, you develop a relationship and you work a source. And now mm -hmm. it's more a lot of like you're trading information or this person yeah. needs to get the information because they're a, they work for a partner, right? They like, yeah. If you think about it, two of the three biggest news breakers work for league partners. And yeah. like Adrian Wojnarowski was a legend before he went to ESPN, but he does work mm -hmm. for ESPN now as a league partner. Chris Haynes was always good. That's how he got the job, but he is yep. with Turner. And so like, that's part of the negotiation. I will say like the sense that I got from being at the finals and talking to people is that they like, I don't think that everyone knew the number. Mm -hmm. I think everyone knew a range. Um, yeah. I went on Memphis radio yesterday and I, and they were asking me about it. 
I know. And they were like, we know you don't know for sure, but what are you expecting? And I was like, it's going to be a number between 18 and 28. That was mm-hmm. like that's the number that I gave. And that was an educated guess based off of. It's also what Woj said this morning. Yeah. This like, morning yeah, said it's going to be over 18. Yeah. Uh, and so like you get like, if you pay enough attention and you talk to enough people, you get a sense for these type of things. But I yeah. will say like, I, I think that Joe Dumars ultimately was the one, like it, I think the, the number of people that actually knew the number yeah. was small. And so there wasn't a whole lot of, of dispersion of the actual number. I don't think that I think if you ask Chris Haynes four days ago, Chris is probably like, I don't know. I know what I think it is, mm-hmm. but I don't know for sure. I think he'd probably, if you asked what was the same thing, he'd probably say the same. So a lot of this is like, there's a distribution of information because it's like, come on, man, like you gotta tell me something like, what's the deal. It could be like, yeah it's going to be substantial. Like it's not going to be, you know, you should not expect this because you also, this is part of the dynamic too. If you have a relationship with, with somebody, the biggest thing in media, when you have a relationship with somebody is that, and like, I'm not on, like, I'm not saying I'm not even not, I'm not saying I'm not on that level. I'm not on like eight levels below that, but I understand yeah. how the game works really well. Like that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I do understand very well. One of the dynamics is if you have a relationship with someone that source does not want you to be embarrassed. And so you have to yeah. go on these shows and you have to answer questions. Like I go on these radio shows and I get asked about things. And so like, sometimes I just have to be like, I have no idea. I haven't heard anything about it. Right. Mm-hmm. There's an expectation that you know everything. And so the people that are the most connected, like Chris Haynes, like Adrian Wojnarowski, like Sean Sharonia, those guys need to have like an understanding of what not to say, not to be yeah. like, yeah, he's looking at, at maybe as many as 10 games. And then it comes out to be 30 games. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, like, that was way off. You don't know anything. So the, that management of things is kind of where this gets to is, can you guide me in a direction to where I won't be wrong? Because like I ask a lot of people, if I say that, like instead of asking for information, I'll say, if I say this, am I wrong? And that yeah. is part of how like these things get negotiated out in terms of the media. Yeah, I can just kind of say from my perspective, I remember, um, and like you said, I'm and I'm like rungs below you, but... Um, I went on some radio show and, um, one of the people that I talked to, uh, fairly regular heard me on that radio show because I was talking about, um, somebody that they were connected to. And, um, you know, I, I, I hopped off of it and, and, um, I'm not going to say specifically what it was for, for pretty obvious reasons that I, that, that, uh, what I was talking about, but I, I was just like on the show, I was like, I, you know, I have a vague idea, but I don't have, I'm not. I don't know enough about this to speak definitively, right? And then um, after I, I I got off the the phone with that radio station, I got a text from this person who said, um, "Hey, hit me up next time, and you can speak a little bit more definitively on it." You know, and yeah. and yeah, like that is. By the way, not a journalist, not interested in in doing reporting unless I I, I have like a I have it pretty damn well um, nailed down, but. Uh, but that's just kind of how this stuff, like to your point, kind of works, right? That, that back and forth. And, you know, another example of it, now I'm not judging because this is just kind of, I think the, the world that we live in, but, um, Bob Myers, after we got more clarity on the Andrew Wiggins situation, we found out he was coming back, sat there in a room full of journalists and said, Hey, thank you guys for not doing this and that was like wild to me to hear right that was i it was really striking like 
uh, thanking journalists for not journalizing, <laughs> journalizing, yeah. you know, and, and I, and, and, and again, like, this is just kind of the world that we live in. And, you know, that was, uh, you know, potentially very touchy information that, uh, you know, for whatever reason, didn't get out. We still don't have, I don't think very much clarity on it. And, and, um, you know, that's just kind of how things are going to go now. And, and I thought this was just another example of, and, and like I said, like this year has really made it clear to me of what you're talking about, the, the economy of information, the actual trading of that information. Uh, because the other thing too is with people at like Woj and Shams and Haynes's level is the people that they're getting information from, they also give information too. And that like that exchange is 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 a really big part of this. And those those um, entities that that give stuff to them benefit also from that. So it's a more symbiotic relationship than I think it it, it had been in the past. And and this um, the way that this all went down, the John Morant suspension, twenty five games seems about right to me. Um, you know, it was just kind of stupid behavior, and it was like extra stupid because it was the kind of stuff that like he apparently had told Adam Silver he was never ever 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 gonna do again um so like I had a feeling and like you're talking about I, I had a feeling that the punishment was going to be fairly substantial the fact that Adam Silver thought that it was so substantial it would take away from um the 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 finals also kind of you know <laughs> the 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 implication there is yeah this is going to be big so like 25 games seems about right it's kind of whatever um we could talk about the impact on the league but to me what i found very interesting was this like encapsulating in 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 a kind of roundabout way how things kind of go and 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 i thought i you were somebody who is very open about this stuff and i thought you were the kind of person to have that conversation with uh, what do you think of the jaw suspension like what does it do to memphis does it are they you know what I, I, they're such an interesting team to me because they um, they kind of remind me of the Trailblazers back when like Rasheed Wallace was there and um, you know Jermaine O'Neal was there and that super super talented team. I'm not going to repeat the name that they uh, that they were called back then, but um, and the way that they kind of remind me of that is they were that team was so insanely talented. You look at some of the names that like were on that squad and then went out and and impacted you know organizations beyond that. Um, but that group, like never, they never took that step forward that they needed to. And, and for lack of a better term, they never really matured to a place where they could together reach their, their ceiling. And, um, this Memphis team, you know, feels like they have a couple pathways ahead of them. They could use this and grow up and actually reach that ceiling or, pieces of that, that team are going to go off and, and do things away from each other. What do you think? So I think the, the grow up thing is interesting. Um, I hate saying grow up because like I myself am a jackass. Yeah. And it sounds very patronizing, right? Um, yeah. I don't think it's wrong though. I, I think a lot of this is, I think there are two guys. Mm -hmm. I think I think there was Ja and I think there was Dylan, and Dylan's yeah. not gonna be there anymore. And Ja's either gonna get his head on straight or he's gonna be out of the league. He's gonna lose all of his money, all yeah. of his money, hundreds of millions of dollars. And 
I think there's enough of an investment in him to where somebody will get through to him. But the other thing is like, I have a lot of confidence in there and the rest of it. Cause like, I just think that Desmond and Jaron are about the right things. Yeah. And if you follow, like, this is the thing is like jaw walks out and doesn't do media. Mm-hmm. Desmond stands up there and does the media. Jaron yeah. stands up there and does the media and like talk of the media is whatever, but it's a sign of accountability. Yeah. And those guys I think are going to have like part, part of my thing is I'm not like the Grizzlies are going to win the championship. Ne- no, they're not going to win the championship next year. But um, I actually am not that worried about their season from the perspective of I, I if you <laughs> fun exercise, go look at James Harden's numbers in 2012 and go look at Desmond Bain's numbers in 2023 mm-hmm. and compare those numbers. Now I I'm not love saying, Bain's game so much. Yeah, like that, I'm not that series. That, <laughs> I'm not saying that Desmond's going to become James Harden multi-year yeah. MVP candidate. But my point here is like, I think Desmond has a lot more to offer. Mm-hmm. And so like he'll get better and Jaron will get better. And the team has a lot of runway because I think now the front office has a, a pretty clear indication of like, okay, we've kicked the can down the road. We got to start like moving forward. Now yeah. we'll say I've heard in the last week, that they're once again shopping for a lottery pick. So I'm like, maybe they're going to do this thing again, where they try and kick the can down the road where they once again, pick up another young player. But I think that there's room for them to go out and add veteran pieces that are not only going to help with the locker room and, and get the adults in the room, as Chris Vernon has mentioned, but also just like fill out the roster, get them better towards having a better half court offense. Cause like, yeah. that's what they need to develop. A lot of it last year was that they, the team itself, I think, took, and I don't think coaching wanted this. I think that coaching was kind of forced into it. The team was having so much success. It's like, well, I guess we don't need to change. Like, we're winning. Why would we need to change? Look at us. We're the number two seed in the West. Yeah. And it's like, all of this stuff about Jaw will either path pass or it won't. Mm-hmm. Like, he will get through this or he will be one of those cautionary tales. Yeah. And honestly, like Memphis can do whatever Memphis has done what it needs to in terms of being like putting an arm around him. I mean, like you need to get this sorted out. Like, let us help you. Like, let us help you get through this. That's all you can really do. Because if you try and be like, people will, will kind of say like, well, you you know, there's no accountability there. You need to like, if you try and just discipline him, all you're going to do is alienate him and create and spiral him more. Also, how do you hold a $300 million million 23-year-old accountable? But that just doesn't happen. And even if you do, you know, even if you want to get past, like, the power dynamics of it, which are difficult on its own, your ability to do so is also limited by what the effect is, which is, like, if if you don't connect with the tough love approach, he spirals more. Yeah. You have less of a connection to him. So you have to maintain those. And this is like the, so the, whenever you have somebody that's this troubled, I think you have these kind of, uh, kind of problems that you have to mitigate. But as far as like the franchise, I'm still like, I don't know, man, like they got a really smart front office. They got a really good coach. They got really good players. And mm-hmm. I kind of feel like there's still an opportunity. Like I, I think people are going to wake up in, in January and be like, Oh, there's Memphis and like the four four seed and job played, you know, it didn't come back till December 19th. Wow. Um, but look, a lot of it's on Jaw, and I, I've had I have concerns about Jaw beyond this stuff. I have concerns about Jaw in terms of uh, I'm always going to be worried about his knees. I'm always going to be worried about his yeah. knees because of the way that he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, Jaron's an injury risk. Like, there's all these ways that this can go sideways. But I also think that right now, like I 
part of this is because I'm now wired to look at this from a betting perspective. Getting in on the on the bottom floor, not going to get much lower than this in terms of if you want to buy Memphis stock. <laughs> so like yeah. right now is probably after selling Memphis stock pretty aggressively over the last couple of years. I, I have to wait to see what they do in, in free agency. But I'm like, I am more interested in buying Memphis stock right now than I was at any point in the last year. I do wish we could do like there was there was team stock. Yeah, I wish I wish that like that was that was, you know, because the uh, the the title odds dropped. Right. And uh, OKC was plus 13,000 to to win uh, the championship. Right. And I'm like, I don't think they're going to win a championship, but I think it's a higher likelihood than plus 13,000 on them. Um, And 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 yet, like you can't quite trade. So like if that number goes from 13,000 to 1300, it's not like I can you know, cash out like that's not, that's not really how that works. So I, I do kind of wish we could figure out, I mean, there's so many other ways that we're gambling on sports. I wish that was another way that we could kind of do it. Um, teams though. I don't know if I would feel comfortable doing that with players. I don't, I, 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 I'm fine doing it with teams, but I think I, I, I'd be a little iffy about doing that with players. Um, all right, let's, let's segue awkwardly over to the Lakers whom you hate. And, um, I think right now the, kind of general consensus on the Lakers is that they're going to be pretty good next year. Pretty good. I don't think there are very many people who are saying like they are definitely going to win the championship. I don't think there are people who are saying like they are definitely destined to have like the, the third iteration of this weird kind of pseudo rivalry that they have with Denver, where they have met twice in the Western conference finals. And both of those teams that won that series went on, to win the championship. I don't think, I don't think the, there are people at that end of the spectrum, but I don't think that's the consensus. I think the consensus is that they're going to be pretty good. And then there's a lot of risk involved with, uh, with what the Lakers are capable of next year. Where do you land in that range? Do you, do you land, if that's like, you know, a one take on them is sell off. They are never going to reach that, that, that height ever, 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 ever again. 10 being championship for sure. Um, and then, you know, like a seven being the take that I kind of gave, where would you, where would you sit in that one to 10 range? I'm probably between a, a four and a five. Okay. Um, Why? So I'm not a one because mm-hmm. they can get better. Right. Mm-hmm. If someone is dumb enough to take D'Angelo Russell in a sign and trade, this team can get way, way better. And there's like, I've heard now another team. So there's like two teams I've heard that are dumb enough to, to have interest in taking D'Lo. Um, I don't know what to make of a lot of what we saw this season. And the Heat present a similar issue mm-hmm. in that teams that were in the finals in 2020 that have iconic players in their franchise history, less so with the Heat than with the Lakers. Uh, even though the Lakers have such a, a long line of them. Um, well, one player. And <laughs> then, like, their runs were made. And I was trying to talk about this. I don't trust March basketball. And for you, I understand why you're like, well, you got to understand, like, the way that they reconfigured the team and the trades – 
Malik Beasley did not play in the playoffs. Jared oh. Vanderbilt was not playable by the end of the playoffs. That's not what and I said. I, I thought you said that to be yesterday. No, I say that the only data sample that we have, the only data log that we have is March basketball and then into the playoffs, right? Like that's all that we have with that, with that iteration yeah. of the Lakers. <laughs> and so for me, I'm just like, here's, here's what I, here's what I, I, when I look at that sample, here's what I look at. I don't trust Mar trust March basketball at all because I've said this for years and I got away yeah. with it with Denver this year and it pisses me off so much that I abandoned it. I fell for it. They faked me out. Yeah. A third of the teams are just resting guys. It's just like we guys, I got to get some time before the playoffs start. Cause I got to play every other night playing 40 minutes a night. The other a third of the teams are injured where they're just like, yeah, we had a good team, but like everybody got hurt. Everybody got mm -hmm. hurt and our season's done. And the other, other section is, is literally trying to lose actively trying to lose. Yeah. And the Lakers strength of schedule. If you, if you go through that, that roster and you, I can do this with lots of teams and poke holes. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't make it necessarily as convincing to me. And then you look at the playoffs. You know, but it makes it less convincing because it's all that we have on right. them. Right. And so then you, you then it's like, well, but what about the playoffs? And it's like the, the Grizzlies. Okay. Who, yeah. like, you and I bet on the Lakers. I told you I was betting on the Lakers. We both had money on the Lakers. That was an easy one. Like, no Steven Adams, no Brandon Clark. The Grizzlies don't have a half-court offense. They were a mess since that night in Denver, it's really crazy. The same night in Denver, they the the Nuggets effectively clinched the one seed, so the Grizzlies mm -hmm. can't catch them. Brandon Clark suffers his his injury, catastrophic, yeah. And Jaw goes to Shotgun Willies. Like same <laughs> night, their yeah. entire season collapsed. Okay. So then you got the Warriors, and the Warriors are an interesting one because I did think the Warriors would win because I was like, oh, the math game will work out. And then Clay Thompson shoots like 13%, right? Yeah. And that's not all the only reason that they lost. I didn't realize it was very difficult the entire year to figure out. And pool was abysmal. Like, are the Warriors what they've told us they are all year? Or are they still that team? And we, I kept giving them credit mm -hmm. when I shouldn't have. And if you want to ask, are the Lakers, aren't the Lakers better than you thought then? Yes, they are. They absolutely are. My issue is that sustaining these types of runs, even if we want to say that that was valid, I am of the belief, and this is something I've been trying to yell at Heat fans about for the last like two weeks. Every yeah. season's a microcosm. Every season's its own, an it's an own organism. It's got all these different parts and it moves. Even if it's the same players, it mm -hmm. moves differently. But we also make this delineation between before the trade and after. And I'm like, guys, by the end of the playoffs, Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt weren't playing, and D'Angelo Russell was literally a negative. Yeah. So the three guys that they got in that trade, and you say, like, well, they got rid of Russ. Okay. But I need you to be able to show me a like a positive that you added to get better Reeves. rather than just a negative that you removed. Is Austin Reeves, LeBron, and AD is that good enough to get you 50 wins in the Western conference, regardless of what other pieces you have? And like my answer to that is maybe, right. Is there a good likelihood that there is regression and that we're sitting here and, and you also have to bear in mind, like if this was, if you had, if this was 2020, I'd feel differently. Not only yeah. because they won the title, but because LeBron was four years younger. 
because mm-hmm. AD had four years fewer miles on him. Like y- y- there, those two guys, we saw it. Those guys get hurt and the whole thing collapses and you have this miserable season. And so I lean more towards skepticism than I do. They're going to be good, which is not to say that I'm like, they're definitely not going to be good. They could come out of free agency. I'm going to be like, all right, you know what? This is like a really good roster. Cause like, I love Rui. I thought that was their best move. Like that was mm-hmm. the trade was like adding Rui Hachimura, who I loved in Washington. I saw, I talked about him preseason was like, Hey, Rui's really made strides. What they got him for was a joke. Like that was an incredible <laughs> trade for the Lakers. Like yeah. all the credit for that one. Um, So like LeBron and 80 and Austin and Rui. Okay. That's like, that's, that's four good players. I still got to see what they do with the rest of it. I will maybe be at like a six if the free agency goes well. Yeah. I, I may be at like, I, I will tell you that four is the floor. I won't go lower than this. I won't move yeah. more towards like, they're going to be bad. They're going to be a lottery team. This is like the floor of where they're at because I'm just like, look, we're, we're making a lot of assumptions based off of a sample that's extremely suspect to me. All fair. Here's how I'll answer the the question as it pertains to like what did you actually get in the rust trade, right? Um, and this is this is not just my take, but this is like the way that the Lakers are looking at this too. Hmm. Uh, when Russ was there, you were never going to get the Austin Reeves that we got um, after Russ was gone, um, and. That's not to say that like they traded Russ to unlock Austin. It's that trading Russ unlocked Austin. So I think that's like, you know, and, 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 and I think, mm-hmm. yep. um, when you mentioned like, and this is, you know, so on one side of what, of the coin of what you're talking about here, you're saying they made that trade and they didn't necessarily get anything tangible last season from that trade other than like not having Russ, because like you said, um, Belize, uh, Malik Beasley just didn't play. Vanderbilt got played off the court in just about every series at some point. And, um, and D'Angelo Russell just was <laughs> abysmal in the Western Conference Finals. And that's all true. But that means, though, that like the Lakers, with that going on, were still able to get to the Western Conference Finals. And if you just get some, if you, if you're able to turn, like Malik Beasley's uh, team option contract into, uh, at, you know, say draft night or whatever, if you're able to turn that into, um, you know, a player, and him in a draft pick or whatever, into a player who plays in that, in that situation, gets any time, any confident time in the playoffs, then the Lakers are there, therefore, like, better than they were last year, right? If you, if, if like you're saying, if somebody is crazy enough to believe that D'Angelo Russell at 27 or 28 years old is going to unlock something further in his career, um, and you turn D'Angelo Russell into a player that you can play in the Western Conference Finals, um, then the Lakers are better than they were last year. And then if like Jared Vanderbilt, it, you know, is like respectable from, you know, not just like as a shooter, but like as a finisher inside and, and, and just takes any step forward there so that he can't get played off the, the court in every series that he was in last year, then the Lakers are better. And I think there's a pathway there. The thing that yeah. concerns me is that um, 
I still am not positive that they understand the identity that they need to go in, right? Um, an example of this is Eric Pincus will do this thing uh, of Bleacher Report where he will throw out a hypothetical outcome that is not normally purely hypothetical. It's yeah. usually it usually has something to do with what he has heard, right? And Eric, I'm sorry if I'm if I'm spewing trade secrets here. But um, the example that he threw out there the other day was, well, what if they go into next season thinking that they're going to start Austin Reeves at small forward? And what if they go, they're able to bring Dennis Schroeder back? And what if they're able to get like either D'Angelo Russell or Chris Paul to come back and they start the year going super small? And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, because what we just saw in two straight series with Denver, is Denver was so much bigger and yeah. similarly skilled to the two teams that they beat and beat the shit out of. Like when I say beat, I mean that literally. They were so much bigger than the Lakers and so much bigger than the Heat that like the outcomes there were inevitable um, without an injury happening and they and, and the injury didn't happen. And and like for me, you look at Denver and this is actually where I think losing to Denver specifically helps the Lakers hopefully. Um, you, you look at Denver and you're like, all right, that's the bar. What do we have to get to beat them? And do they figure out the way that you do that is to get more physical and try to match up with that physicality. If that's the case, then I like the Lakers chances of, of at least competing. But if they say to themselves, well, what if we zag? What if we get creative here? And what if we're just super small and we run them off the court? That's where I say, you're screwed. You can't do that. It's not going to happen. So, yeah. so that, that I mean, like to, to what you're talking about, like with the four being the floor and, you know, maybe seven or eight being the ceiling here, or I guess 10 is inherently the ceiling, but like the realistic ceiling is, is kind of like a seven or an eight. Um, I think that's going to be decided by whether or not the Lakers actually uh, accept their, the identity that they should have accepted after winning a championship with that identity. Yeah. I mean, you're going to need to find um, guys that are willing to play physical in order to do that. Like, you're going to have to find guys that are up for that kind of physical challenge, you know? Yeah. And, like, you have LeBron, and then that's pretty much it as far as, like, guys that are able to play physical basketball, like, unless they yeah. have a huge size Rui, Rui, Rui mixes it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Rui, battled, Rui, Rui battled really well. Um, so, like, here, the, the Austin question I think is fascinating, okay? So, one thing I do with all Lakers guys is I asked, Shit on the them. I, asked the <laughs> I asked the Charlotte test. Okay. Okay. If this okay. player played for the Charlotte Hornets, what would I think about them? Mm -hmm. uh, Kyle Kuzma that You'd like in them more 2000, in 2020. Like I was, uh -huh. I, I was like not in on Kuz in like 2019. Like I thought all the hype that you guys put on him and I was like, come on guys. Like, all right. But like starting in 2020 and honestly, especially in 2021, Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, no, if you put Kuzma on Charlotte, he'd be good. And it's, there's proof of that, which is like, he went to Washington and he's good. Yeah. Right. It's like, like Northern Charlotte. Right. He's good. If you take Austin Reeves and you put him on Charlotte, how do we think about him? And the answer is not like, when I propose this, this kind of framework, it's like, so you think he sucks? No, 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 no. Because I actually watched the Charlotte Hornets and I would be like, oh, Austin Reeves is really good. But the difference is, is that Austin Reeves, I'd be like, you know who's really good is Austin Reeves for the Hornets. Versus mm -hmm. with the Lakers, it's, you know who's a future all-star? 
is Austin Reeves. And it's like, and I'm not trying to be like, he's not good. It's that that conversation gets crazy. Like Austin last year, right, was 53, 40, 86 splits. That's awesome. That's so good. Is Austin Reeves a 50, 40, 90 guy? Like, do we think that, and that he's going into year three. So I understand Lakers fans being like, why not? But this is one where this is not a Lakers thing that I do. I do this with everybody, which is I'm just like, you are always going to think your young guys are going to progress on an yeah. entirely linear trajectory. When a lot yeah. of times it's like, like yeah. all over the place. And so if Austin's not as good next year, what does that do? Because this is the thing is their margins here are very small mm-hmm. because of LeBron and AD's contract. So it's like, if one of your pillars is Austin Reeves, who's a really good player, but if Austin takes even a half, if he's down to 47, 38 splits, that's mm-hmm. a really good guard. That's a really good player. Yeah. If they take that approach, what does that do for them? And then as you mentioned, like when they, when I realized they were going to play him at small forward versus MPJ, I was like, Oh, I'm hitting MPJ rebounds every single night. Yeah. I'm hitting MPJ threes because I knew that like he was going to get clean looks versus Austin for as long as, as awesome as guarding him because he just can't get yep. into his airspace. So like, yeah. you're absolutely right that they need to, they need to target, like it needs to honestly be a center 80 LeBron. Rui is like a six man. And then like a big two guard with Austin at point. And that needs to be how it is. And I don't know, like it's asking a lot to be of Austin to be full-time point, but I also wonder if that's like a better trajectory for him than some of the other options. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I, have tweaked it slightly to where I have the big center being the six man, right. Who comes in and, and like on certain nights maybe comes in early and helps AD with a big that, that he doesn't want to body for 48 minutes. But, um, but yeah, I have, I, I, I maintain that like on a typical team, Austin, I don't think would be a, a starting point guard. I think he'd be one of the starting backcourt players on anybody on any team in the NBA. Um, but I don't think he's like a starting point guard specific on every team in the NBA, but on a LeBron team where LeBron can, you know, he's going to handle the ball for the majority of the time. And occasionally Austin maybe gets the offense started. Maybe Austin does some stuff with the second unit. Um, that's the perfect spot for Austin to be seen as like a point guard, right? The Lakers, when they won the championship started, I believe Avery Bradley is their point guard. And, and that was fine, you know? Um, and, and eventually like in the, in the finals, when they really wanted to unlock themselves, they started Caruso at point guard and KCP in the backcourt and LeBron handled the point guard duties and they beat the crap out of granted a a somewhat broken Miami team, but they are up by 40 in that game in a, in a finals deciding game. Yeah, um, and and I think if if that is the way that they go about this, with Austin being seen as their point guard, you get a bigger physical shooting guard. Who I um, actually today I'm going to sit down. Well, at some point it's my anniversary, so I don't think it'll be today. But um, at some Happy point this weekend, thank you. Yeah, Jen's like literally waiting for me right now. I'm taking her to go see the new Spider-Man movie. She's stoked. I'm stoked to see it again. It was really good. But. Um, but she, uh, but if the Lakers see Austin as as the point guard, bring in a physical two guard, and then either Rui is your starting small forward, 
or LeBron is your starting small forward with a big there next to AD. Like that is, that to me is the, at the very least, that team or that approach has the highest floor and probably highest ceiling, if we're being completely honest, because like that is how you compete against that that Denver team if we see this a similar team. What are you hearing, last thing before we get you out of here, what are you hearing about Bruce Brown? Because um, at, the, at the parade, Mike Malone does the whole, um, Michael Malone, Miguel Malone, Miguelito, whatever we want to call him. Uh, yesterday, yesterday he was Mike, like MIC Malone. He was, he was, <laughs> that's the drunkest, that's the drunkest we've ever seen a coach at a parade, right? Like usually oh, they're know. like, there have been some great ones back in like the nineties and early two thousands before social media was a thing. There were some yeah, really, really, really great ones. So I, I think like the closest might be like Riley when he said they, the Lakers were going back to back, right? Yeah. Um, we're going to do but, it again. <laughs> right. But uh, but even there, like he wasn't wearing a hat to the side with a chain on. So, <laughs> um, I actually liked that. I liked seeing that side of Malone. I like seeing him uh, let his hair down a little bit. But uh, but anyway, he goes on the stage and and uh, Bruce Brown's standing right next to him, and he's you know kind of like pressuring, uh, not like you know for lack of a better term, but pressuring Brown. Hey, you want to run it back, right? You want to run it back? You haven't made any money in your career to this point, but you want to take a discount? Huh? Huh? What do you think? Um, but like the thing with Bruce Brown is he's like, he's simple enough that I could see him doing it. Like he's, he likes fishing. He likes hunting. He's, he's kind of a, a simple kind of guy from, from what little I kind of know about him. Um, so I could see it maybe happening. And if it does happen where he takes a discount and stays in Denver next year, that the Denver is just like, that's how, that's how they go back to back in my opinion. But what are you hearing about the chances of that happening? So there's a strong belief inside the nuggets. I think that, that he comes back and I just continue to be like, I think you're all just drunk on champagne. Yeah. Um, and cigar smoke. Yeah. Like there's so much cigar smoke (laughs) in the, in the locker room. Oh my God. I had such a headache. Um, it was amazing though. That, that was the happiest locker. By the way, I've been in. Um, uh, let's see, I've been in nine championship locker rooms, and that is yeah. the happiest one I've ever been in. It's the that yeah. is the, the most happy I've ever seen. Um, look, I I think that Bruce wants to come back. I he may mention like he said on on after game five. He said, "Look, money isn't everything." Mm-hmm. It, it's just like that's what you say. When yeah. you're there and you're like so happy and you love those guys. Cause like that was a really close locker room. The mm-hmm. chemistry was a really big deal on the nuggets, but they're in Vegas right now and they're going to party for a few more days and then they're going to go their separate ways. Yeah. And then Bruce is going to get a call from his agent next week. And, and the agent's going to be like, Hey, I, you know, congratulations again. We got to talk about, you know, I'm already getting offers because you know, tampering is just no longer a thing like this has been going on for a while they're already yeah. getting offers and someone's going to offer him 15 million a year at least yeah. it's either going to be like 20 million over two to three or it's going to be 15 per year for four and the difference between him having an and the nuggets can talk all they want about look if you take the player option for 8.5 we'll you know i'm telling you right now we'll resign you long term you can yeah. say that but the apron's going to make that almost impossible. Yeah. And, and if, if you he get gets hurt, hurt, yeah. Then Calvin yeah. Booth's going to be like, "Hey man, I'm really sorry. This is just how it goes." 
you got to take that 60 million. You have to take this. Like you just can't do anything else. It sucks that the Nuggets are yeah. unable to retain a player that was so vital to their run, who is such a perfect fit, who wants to be in Denver. And the list of those guys is small, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. wants to be there, who fit perfectly with the atmosphere, who is exactly what they needed. They all love playing with. It should be easier, but it's not. And so for me, I think he's gone. I think he's going to be on the market. I think he's going to get offers. And I think he's going to get paid. And that's honestly what he needs to do. And he will always be a hero in Denver. He will be a hero and he will never have to yeah. buy a drink in Denver for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, he will always probably think fondly like he will miss it. But I also don't think he's going to be able to regret it because on some level, this is not about. It's not about like I, I do think that sometimes the money is too important for players where I'm like, guys, what's the difference between like what's the difference in 80 million and 100 million? What's yeah. the difference here? What's the difference in a hundred million and 125 million? Like yeah. what's, how is your life materially different? But the difference between 8 million guaranteed and 60 million guaranteed is massive. And so for yep. me, I just continue to believe that he's probably going to be gone. Yeah. It's the same thing that I keep going back to with Austin that Austin, like, you know, uh, could theoretically take like a one year 10 ish million deal. And, um, and bet on himself again and, and hit free agency, or he could take a four year, $56 million deal. And that difference there at his, this stage of his career is huge, but, but Hey man, I've taken up uh, enough of your time, too much of your time. Thank you very much as always for hopping on Matt. Um, again, you can check out all of his work at the action network. I followed them all postseason long as I was getting my, doing my uh, betting to, to get Avery some donuts. Uh, and I was able to buy her a fair, sh- her fair share of donuts. Um, so yeah, check out his work, all of their work over there. Thanks very much, Matt. It's always fun. Thanks for having me.